soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Or Footy Ado, a delusional soccer podcast hosted by Zach and Jared Raymond. This is our first run at it. Uh, what we're going to do this episode, how episodes are normally going to go, we're going to start off with a, uh, a, a personal soccer story one of us will tell, and then we're going to get into the action, start talking about uh, the top stories in the English Premier League primarily. We'll probably focus on some other stuff occasionally, like Champions League, but for the most part it'll be the, the Premier League, and then we'll close off with what we call our delusion of the week, um, and we will alternate giving those, and we will uh, um, sort of debate debate that topic to close out the episode. So we're going to start off with a story. This story for this episode is titled The Hollywood, Side, the Hollywood Sign Limp. The year was 2016. More specifically, it was early March. Thinking back on it, this story reflects the present day quite eerily. Much like March 2019, March 2016 saw me living in Los Angeles, California. Of course, back then I was living here temporarily. I was out west for a semester doing an internship program in downtown Hollywood. And just like this month, back then I was anticipating the visit of my younger brother and co-host of this podcast, Zach. And just like the present day, Arsenal and Tottenham were set to go face-to-face just a couple of days before Zach's arrival. Now, there was no way this North London Derby with title implications would also have an impact on my brother's visit, right? Oh, how wrong I was. To recap this thrilling tie, the game began with Spurs outplaying the Gunners, yet Arsenal drew first blood with a lovely finish from Aaron Ramsey on the counter. The second half was where things got very interesting, and I should say painful. With a second half red card for Francis Coughlin, followed by two quick goals for Tottenham, the game turned on its head. At the end of the day, Arsenal ended up fighting back for a gutsy draw, yet I'm afraid the damage was already done. When Zach and our friend Sal ultimately came to visit, our plan was to hike up behind the Hollywood sign. However, Zach had picked up a foot injury before coming out. You see, when Harry Kane scored his wonder goal to give Tottenham the lead, Zach reacted by throwing a bag of Doritos on the cement ground and stomping on it repeatedly in a blaze of fury, badly bruising his own heel. Sal and I hiked up to see the Hollywood sign. Zach, he limped. I'm a little salty. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain why. Um I was gonna use that story for the next pod, and I was gonna title it the Doritos debacle. The Doritos debacle okay. See um, I like the Hollywood sign limp because it leads it's it kinda offers more of a question. You're like, okay, where where is this going to go? And I I get that. But and just one little detail you got wrong. One tiny detail. It wasn't a red card for Francis Coughlin. It was a second yellow. Well, a yeah, tackle that, that he That's not a red. It's not a, it's not like he just like two-footed it. He knew he was on a yellow card and still went to a ridiculous challenge. And then one other thing, I didn't throw them at the ground. I threw them at the closet, then they landed on the ground, and then I stomped on them, just to be clear. I don't know that that does anything for me. No, I mean, well, to be clear, so a couple things I want to say. To be clear, I knew it was a second yellow. I just, it was just easier. The story flowed more to saying it was a red card. Obviously, Francis Coughlin didn't go in on a two-foot challenge like you did to that bag of Doritos. Um if it was and a two foot challenge, it wouldn't have been the Hollywood sign limp. It would have been the Hollywood sign wheelchair push. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to tell this story without letting you know I was going to tell it. Like, obviously, I was thinking to myself, maybe Zach should be the one to tell it. Um, I was like, yeah, you know what? From my, I'll tell it from my point of view, uh, especially considering you're coming out to visit soon. So I felt like it was the right time. It was like pretty much very similar. Uh, events leading like sort of you know a dramatic end to the the game this past weekend uh sort of it, it felt right that now was the time to tell it are you saying that i should have stomped on a bag of doritos after Aubameyang's penalty miss no but i did think to myself wait a minute i wonder if he almost you know came close to doing that yeah i mean so it was a similar situation because both both matches were um Home games for Tottenham, obviously different stadiums with them at Wembley right now, but they were both 
a 7:30 Saturday matchup, and like you said, you like you said in the story, both in March, both kind of weird. But the the big thing is that Arsenal also have Manchester United coming up. Now, luckily, luckily for everyone involved in the situation, Manchester United and Arsenal play on March 10th. And I will be in flight. I will be en route um, to California at the time. So there's no chance of more pre-California Dorito stomping heel breaking moments. Dorito debacle. I do like that name for it. See, isn't it interesting how we each like each other's name for it? Two two brothers. They both probably suck. That's why we're we're so delusional. Well, uh, if you haven't picked up my context clues, I'm Jared Raymond. I'm talking to Zach Raymond. We were the hosts of the Footy Adieu podcast. Sort of a play on the word filet adieu, disease shared by two. Um, but it's it's good to get back into the podcast groove. It really is. I have too many thoughts to not put them out there. I don't care who listens. I just need to get them out of my system, really. I yeah. I appreciate if you're listening in, but really, this is just this is therapy for me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree. It's 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 some it's nice to vent. It's nice to vent about some of this stuff. Yeah, and especially with how the season's kind of been going. Although it's turned up a little bit on my end, um, I think for you as well. Even though the draw, I think you can actually feel disappointed that you ended up drawing that match. Uh, so. Um, it, yeah, it's been a weird, it's been a weird season. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good start for us to get started a week of a North London derby, a week, the week of a Merseyside derby. So, um, let's, let's start talking Arsenal Tottenham from Saturday morning. And of course it's a, a one, one draw. Um, Aaron Ramsey starts at 16th minute Arsenal up one nil on a, on a great counter attack. And he he's onside because he's in his own half, but it's just one on one. Davison Sanchez catches up, and then actually ends up getting more in Hugo Lloris's way. Um, he really did more harm than he did good. But um, Ramsey goes around Lloris, and Arsenal take the lead. And let me tell you, I'm sitting in bed with a house full of sleeping people, and I am trying not to make noise and. Uh, freak out but that was a a a great start to the match um and mind you Tottenham coming into this match or have lost two in a row and yeah and they've gone from um from putting the pressure on to is top four guaranteed for us and at this point even with this draw the draw is you know, keeps them four points ahead of Arsenal, keeps them in third place. Um, but it it's no foregone conclusion, which a couple of weeks ago, I would have called someone crazy for saying Tottenham's not going to finish in the top four. But now I still think they end up in the top four at the end of the season, but they have, they have work to do. They have looked worse since Harry Kane has come back, and that's not... It's not necessarily because Kane is playing all that poorly. Like he scored, he got the penalty in this game, in the seventy fourth minute, um, scored from the spot. But it looks like they rushed him back. He has not looked nearly as dangerous as he did before the injury. Um, and obviously, being out for a long time, you got to find your form. But I think they rushed him back. I think they'd be better off. Not starting him. Look, look at the run they were on with him yeah, out injured. Yeah, but they, I think they won. They had won four in a row coming into him coming back. Uh, and you know, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's not down necessarily to him because I mean he's gotten his goals. Uh, I just don't think he he's not a hundred percent. He doesn't you know he's not. I don't think he's moving as as well as a hundred percent Harry Kane. Would and I think it, it is sort of affecting affecting them and um, it's it's kind of that's something 
like you said, you wouldn't have expected to even for for the end of the season. And I and I would I can't believe I'm saying I can't believe that we're actually even pointing to the fact that Harry Kane being back is the root to these problems. Yeah, it's it's a little weird that it's the it's the bad situation for Tottenham that Harry Kane has come back from his injury. But like I said, they they rushed him back from this injury. They needed to get him back, or so they thought, and they're in the situation they are in now. But So let's talk about that penalty incident. 74th minute uh, penalty awarded to Tottenham. A foul on Harry Kane attacking the ball on a free kick. Um, the foul was by none other than Arsenal's worst enemy, Squadron Mustafi. Um now there's a couple different I I didn't think that there would be a discussion around this just because you look at the look at the replay Harry Kane is offside. Now that you can't deny that. Um and there's some people stating that um that the foul occurs before Harry Kane makes a move towards the ball which in in the letter of the law would be the correct decision if if that's if that's the case. Um, I it's it's, tough, it's, a tough it's one to, I think that's a tough that's a tough thing to everyone running towards the goal. Yeah, it's so, it's a tough thing to it's that's a tough rule to have in place without VAR. Yeah. Now. I have seen all over, oh, well, no, well, according to the letter of law, he didn't go towards the ball, so it's not offside penalty, so it it, it works out. But um, I'm trying to think of who the pundit was that said he actually spoke with a representative from the referee association that um, is in charge of uh, officiating the Premier League and said that that should have been called offside. Yeah, Alan Shearer had tweeted about it. I saw a uh, a, a writer for a, like a website was calling him out um, for not knowing the rules of the game, and he like tweeted at him and said, "Hey, I double checked with uh, someone in the studio, and I actually just double checked again. It should have been called for offside." Yeah. So, so I understand, like. <sighs> It's tough for me to say. I don't want to be the guy that's, I mean, in my personal life I do, but I don't want to be the guy that's just bashing Spurs because, but like you see all over where it's like, if like, if this was any other team, no one, it wouldn't even be a discussion. It'd be offside, but, um, but it's, it's Spurs and the media, the media likes Spurs. So it, it feels a little different, but that that's admittedly from a biased standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, you look at Spurs, they have a lot of the young core that the England uh, national team is set from. So, so like, when, like, every time it comes to the summer, whenever this international tournament, you have the whole country is, is pulling for a lot of these players that are, in fact, on Spurs. So, uh, they they might get a little bit of a preferential uh, outlook or treatment from from the media. I can see that. Um, that being said, I think I think I think it was it was the wrong call. I don't think it was a penalty. I um, again, I, I hate to you know go against just constantly go against Spurs, but I don't want like if it wasn't Harry Kane, would they have called? Like, would this be something that's called? I feel like he does get a lot of a lot of calls. Um, I'd be interested to uh, watch a highlight video of the calls that Kane gets versus the calls that Sterling doesn't. Yeah, because, um, yeah, because Kane is the poster boy for for England, and Sterling is always as we as we've seen is the poster boy for Eng- like the criticism England criticism. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, that is that is a good point. Um, uh, I mean, Sterling also has given has you know sort of has a reputation for diving, so that doesn't really help him in that situation but I that, that is a good point it's interesting to see what that would be like, yeah exactly so um you know we're all about delusion on this on this show so I want to 
read just a quick thread between um, Arsblog and Sean McGuire at Sean underscore M underscore McGuire. And so Arsblog starts it off by tweeting out, Harry Kane could shoot someone and there'd be journalists saying that in actual fact, the victim propelled themselves into the bullet far more than the gun was fired in their direction. Clearly a joke. Um, so Sean McGuire goes back and says, or you could just say, thank you. Grow up. He's using his position to help others. Maybe take a leaf out of his book. And then Arsblog just says, thank you for what? And, Sean McGuire says, for using his position to help others struggling with mental health. What has that got to do with the fact that he was offside in the game on Saturday? Uh, and then to finish it off, Sean McGuire says, life's too short for stupid people that you're not related to. Blocked. And if that doesn't describe delusional, if that's not the exact definition of delusional, I don't know what would be. Well, I'm sure we'll find out towards the end of this podcast um, when we get your delusion of the week. But that I that I don't even I don't even know where to start with that. That doesn't make any sense to me. And now that I'm looking at it, um, this guy is he's he's verified on Twitter. He is he's an actor apparently. Apparently a, a, a very well-known one, as you can tell from my vast knowledge of him. But um, so let's move on to the next the next penalty incident. Arsenal in the 90th minute handed given a penalty. Once again, the referee gets it wrong. I don't think you tell me if I'm wrong. You look at it from a different standpoint. I don't think this was a dive from Aubameyang. I think he just stumbles. And it just happens that Sanchez was near him and the referee points to the spot, but not a penalty. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, I, I think you're right. I think it is one of those ones where it's okay, not a dive, not a penalty. Just sort of he goes down a little too easily, but there is a little contact, but not anywhere near enough to, to warrant a penalty. But, you know, you look at the first penalty and then you get this one. It sort of feels like, okay, you know what? it's evening out. So, like, you can complain about the first one, um, but then you also get one that's favorable, that goes in your favor, so it kind of evens it out. Uh, the only difference is Harry Kane sinks his penalty and Aubameyang does not. Exactly. The, taking your the chances that you're given, taking the chances that you're gifted, it's an important thing. So, Arsenal don't do it. Lucas Torreira sent off late. That's a red card for me. Um when I first saw it, I didn't think it was because I he got a lot of the ball, but it's a but two-footed challenge, yeah, studs up, studs up halfway up the leg. That's yeah. a red card. He misses out um, on the next three games, most importantly, Manchester United next weekend. But um, it ends 1-1, Tottenham still four points ahead of Arsenal um, with this draw. Yeah. Now... Now, so so you're you're an Arsenal fan. You're watching you're watching Aubameyang go up to take this. How do you how confident are you that he's gonna? Obviously, this is after the fact, but like, how are you feeling on his run up as he's going up to take this penalty to essentially win you the game? So I can tell you this: that I I had a thought and I almost picked up my phone and texted you before he takes the penalty. You know, during the time where the referee is clearing the box and whatnot, and I almost shot you a text and said, how come is it, how come it is that when a, when the opponent gets a penalty, you're like, there is a 0% chance that this is getting saved. We're going to concede. And then your team is given a penalty and you're like, there is not a single chance this ball is hitting the back of the net. And that was my honest thought. Um, I don't know if that was me being cynical. I don't know if that was me subconsciously looking at, Aubameyang's uh, attitude or uh, body language leading up to this penalty, but I was as unconfident as you could be with a chance to win the game from the penalty spot at in that situation. I was yeah. as 
the the least amount of confidence you could have is where I was at. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was that far away. I wasn't. I I wasn't super surprised he missed it. And honestly, I think in true Bobby Egg fashion, it bounced back to him, and then he had it cleared offline. Like someone like Vertonghen came in, made an excellent challenge, and he missed the chance to score on the rebound. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't totally surprised. I. I don't know Arsenal's usual penalty taker. How that. How that. Uh, works for them. But we really I, haven't I had have one been. since Mikel Arteta and Santi Cazorla left the club. So yes. I would have had Ozil take it personally. Um, obviously, we're saying this after the fact, but I just wasn't confident in Aubameyang. I think Aubameyang's a great, can be a clinical finisher, you know, in the game. But I, I think sometimes his there's times where he he really. You know, he uh, he fluffs his lines. We've seen it happen. Yeah. We saw it happen early in the season in the Chelsea match. Um, maybe there's a mentality thing there when the pressure's on. He just doesn't have that that sort of gene in him, the kind that Harry Kane... Because, you know, when, when Harry Kane steps up, you expect him to, to sink it. Yeah. Uh, you don't get the same sort of uh, feeling of confidence when Aubameyang is going up to take it, especially from the, from the spot, I, like in game, you know, as a poacher, I think he's, he's excellent, but I just, I wasn't super confident either. So uh, he, his speed offers him something that many people wish they got. His speed allows him to have so many chances, which he takes a lot of those chances. What do you have in the premier league this season? 15 or 16 goals. He's right up in the top. But the amount of chances that he gets because of his speed, it's almost that his his goal conversion rate is not nearly as high as you would expect it to be for a player that scores that many goals. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing that is frustrating about him. He There was a point in the season, um, I think it was after the, the first North London derby, that he had scored with his p- previous 10 shots on target in the league. And then he's right now he's just in a dry spell. He's hit a rough patch, and it this is not going to help the confidence. But um, it's just a, he's he's a weird type of player where his his goal tally is almost like you probably should be leading the league in goals with the chances that you've had. But um, how, did, how did you feel about the substitutions? Do you think Lacazette should be taken off that that early? I thought that we were the. I thought that Arsenal was the much better team, even at that point. Tottenham in the second half looked better than they did in the first half, but I think it would have been foolish to change the setup that Arsenal had gone with that had gotten them to the point that they were at. Um, I understand trying to change things around a more attacking setup to try to get that second goal and seal the win. But I was fine with the substitution. I thought, what was it, the 55th? or I think it was the 55th minute that he came off, right around 10 minutes into the second half. I thought maybe it was a little early, but I was fine with the call to take him off. The uh, sub that I didn't like was Ozil for Ramsey. Um, Not because I didn't want Ozil on the pitch, but I thought maybe take off Mkhitaryan, who had a good game, but he was on a yellow card. Him and Ozil are more... Uh, like-for-like. Yeah, it's more of a like-for-like switch. But Aaron Ramsey had put in such a, um, a a great performance, and I think he was just... I don't think his his legs would have lasted 90 minutes. But um, So let's, let's move on um, to Manchester City and Bournemouth. So Man City, away to Bournemouth. Um, over the, the seven meetings before this, Man City... Outscored Bournemouth twenty four to three, winning every match. So the thought is, it's going to be more of the same. They're just going to score goals and goals and goals. Bournemouth really doesn't have a chance. Not how this one went. Bournemouth played played very well. They held. Um, you know they they set out to to keep them out. It was going to be you're not going to beat us. We're we're going for a nil nil. Um, they got to halftime 10 minutes into the second half. Morris scores and kind of ruins that for them. Um, but 
Man City was able to break down Bournemouth. Now that's two one nil wins in in a row in the league. Um in two one nil wins this week, once against West Ham at home. Um and now this match, but before that was their last league match before that West Ham game was two weeks prior when they uh tore apart Chelsea six nil. But their past three games, um, you got one nil against West Ham, one nil against Bournemouth. You have three. If we go past four games, you had the three two against Schalke. Um, and then you also had nil nil in the Carabao Cup final, but winning on penalties. So the goals are not really coming in for Man City. No, but I think what's what's most important and what we'll we'll get to when we talk about Liverpool is they're finding a way to win these games. So they're they're eking out results. You know, they're it's a high they're in a high scoring game. They find a way to beat Schalke three two. Uh, in the Carabao Cup final, it's nil nil. They find a way to they have the mentality to go through and win on penalties. And then you have these two games, one nil games. Those are the type of games that you know. Uh, proven champions win, especially towards the end of the season. You'll see the big teams end up scoring a lot of goals in the beginning of the season, but then as the season goes on, they they you know they find ways to to maybe get a one nil win um, and just push through. Because right now for them, it's the points. The points all that matters at the moment, uh, and they they are getting them, and Liverpool aren't. Yeah, and so. You look at the stats. Like I said, Bournemouth set out. You're not going to beat us. 55th minute, they go down. My issue with that is the fact that in this game, Bournemouth put did not take a single shot. It's not that they didn't put a shot on target. It, they did not take a shot. They had 18% of possession. Man City with 82%. So you set up a certain way. You're not going to beat us. And then they score. And for 35 minutes after that, you're not able to string even one counterattack together to get a shot off. Not even on target. Just to get a shot off. It's a little... that, That aspect of Bournemouth worries me. That when they go up against a big side, like... And they've all... They've struggled against Man City. You've... They've gone head-to-head with Arsenal. They've gone head-to-head with Manchester United. They've gone after big teams, but Eddie Howe and Pep Guardiola. And and this is this is their last five matches, four losses and a draw. Now, I there's nine points above the drop zone. I don't think there's an issue there. Maybe you're saying, okay, you're not going to beat us 5-0 because our goal differential right now is minus... At one with the one nil result, their goal differentials at minus fifteen. You look at the teams in the drop zone; the goal difference is minus thirty two for Cardiff, minus thirty eight for Fulham, minus thirty six for Huddersfield. They're leaking goals. They are like Bournemouth is. Bournemouth has conceded more than Huddersfield. Huddersfield set up well defensively, but maybe it's saying you know we're on a poor run of form you're not going to beat us 5-0 we're not going to lose ground in the goal differential race 9 games to go 9 points off the drop zone i think we can make it as long as we don't get battered and lose confidence especially heading into the next match which is a uh, a tussle with Huddersfield so um if you look they're, at if you weird. they really are if you look they're Bournemouth is Inconsistent, if anything, they yeah, they've, they've always had streaks where it's like, all right, they can go up against and um, play well against Manchester City. We've seen them where they've lost to City in like the 96th minute, or like they've beaten Arsenal, beat Chelsea, but then they also have these runs where they like lose to Brighton, then they lose to Huddersfield. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's they're streaky. They're a very streaky team. Now I know you touched on a little bit more, but like. So with City, you said uh, they're just getting the points. Now, Mares kind of struggled this season with City. Hasn't been a focal point of their attack. But do you think that they can withstand the challenge of going for the Champions League, the Premier League? They have already won the Carabao Cup, and they're still in the FA Cup. Do you think that 
the fight for a quadruple will ultimately hurt them, most importantly, in the title race? I mean, it, it could. I think, I mean, right now they have they have the upper hand, they have the advantage. Um, but I think what I will say is I think that, um, that chase for the quadruple is the only thing that's is really giving Liverpool any hope, I think, because Liverpool have struggled and they had, they watched a big lead. Uh, I forget how many points, were they up by seven points in the title, title race? Uh, I believe at some, at one point there might've been a game in hand somewhere in there, but yeah. they, they but had they watched, a, a pretty big they, lead. Yeah. They watched that evaporate quickly. Now they, now they are like, struggling to put results together, get all three points, whereas City is is doing just that, and City has won before. So I think, but but I think having, you know, the FA Cup still, the Champions League, which has got to be the priority for this team, having won the league last year, um, it, it, it does give Liverpool a chance. It's why I still think Liverpool have very much have a strong, a strong uh, chance to, to, to win the title. I mean, if you look at one of the big, the big game for city is they still have to play United again and United are playing so well. Uh, that could be a game where, you know, I, I could see United winning that game and that's exactly what Liverpool need. You know, like Liverpool, if they get a point, if they, you know, put some, some wins together and then we get to the, the Manchester Derby and, uh, United can beat city and Liverpool can get her, a win in their game, then they're they're back on top. Uh, so it, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I'm very excited for this title race because it's going to be the best one since uh, the Manchester since last time these two really yeah went since at it. since 2013 14 when uh, the team that was at the top of the table for the most days that season was none other than Arsenal. Um, so at least it's not a disappointment for me in that aspect. At least we we're, we're never sitting at the top of the table. Um, but so yeah, so Man City Liverpool title race. Liverpool coughed it up once. I have no problem believing they they cough it up again because the thing for Man City is it's it is going to be a Champions League or bust situation now. Winning the Premier League is never uh, a bad thing to do, clearly. But it's going to be one of those situations where do you sacrifice the league to put it into the Champions League, even with the risk of not winning both? Because the Champions League is not something that it's just, oh, as long as we play our starters, we've got this. It, it's it it's not that... Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not like if, if Man City say we want to win the FA Cup, we're going to play our full strength teams in the FA Cup all the way through. I have every bit of confidence that Man City wins the FA Cup. It, the Champions League is a completely different ball game. It is. So do they risk losing both just for the chance to win the Champions League? No, no, I think they. I, I, but I think luckily for them, I think it really just comes down to how the fixture list is set up. So, like, if it comes to a point where it's like, all right, they have a big Champions League game the same week that they're playing Manchester United, they're going to have to make that choice. Whereas, okay, say they're playing, okay, you know what? They have a Champions League quarterfinal matchup against Bayern Munich. And in the midweek, they play Brighton. It's not going to give them too much of a selection headache. But if it comes to the point where they have a big Champions League matchup, and play, and they get to play United in the same week. Then it's gonna be, the, it's gonna come to the point where it's like, all right, which game do we prioritize? Uh, and I think at that point it has to be Champions League. But again, they have a deep team that can can beat United if even when they're not at completely full strength. But again, it's the way United have been playing; it's a tough challenge. And I, luckily for them, I think it's gonna come down to more game by game sort of. Uh, decision-making process for them. So, looking at the schedule, it's it's that can't happen with what you're saying, like, oh, they've got a Champions League match midweek, 
and they play Brighton at the weekend because they're home to Tottenham on the Saturday and the Manchester Derby is midweek, April 24th. So it's midweek, April 24th. Then Burnley would be the weekend uh, match following that and then a possible Champions League midweek match there. So it's it's Spurs and four days later United. It there's no the it, the schedule's not going to change. It's not going to be oh they're going to have a Champions League match midweek. It they're going to have those two massive games, which those are that that game against Tottenham is the start of um the is the first of the final five matches of the league season. So. Um, like I said, you're not going to have a situation like that where, um, like, okay, we're going to rest players at the weekend because you have, you need six points out of that to win the title. Right. Yeah. But luckily for them, uh, Burnley is the game that they have to worry about in terms of their Champions League selection. So they get through those two games against Tottenham and United then they'll have the luxury of being able to rest up players against Burnley. But again, that's not a sure thing. If they end up losing or one of those games or drawing both of them or something like that, then they're going to have to play a full squad against Burnley to make sure they get three points yep. and keep a pace. Now, looking at Liverpool's schedule for the rest of the season, just to compare that real quick, they Liverpool still have Spurs. They still have Chelsea. Um. But besides that, in the league, they've got Newcastle, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Fulham, Southampton, Burnley, and Wolves. Their their running is much easier in the league, and um, I, that's gonna that's definitely gonna give them an advantage. But um, it just sure. a, I mean, we're, we're gonna see how much the advantage is. For them, though, they they have struggled to beat Chelsea. You know, this year they yeah. drew they. They snatched a draw late with that amazing uh, Sturge goal, and they lost in the Carabao Cup to them at home. Uh, so they always have good games. They normally, I feel like in recent years, they've they found themselves drawing uh, each other. So that could could be potentially a big a big moment uh, in the title race. Now, for proof that. Um... You know those those smaller teams that Liverpool are playing that, for proof that that is, they're not just going to get pushed over is this Manchester United Southampton game three two, Man United take the win under Ali Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer, um, and it's it was just a a, a goal of the season competition, um, so Valerie in the twenty sixth minute just puts his foot through one and De Gea cannot get it before it goes into the top right corner um, of his near post. Yeah, you're going to need something special to beat the world's best goalkeeper near post. Yeah, so, and, and that's from a young fullback. So, uh, what a goal that was. Um, and they take that lead into halftime. And you're thinking, okay, um, United, they can turn it around. They have been turning it around. So, Andreas Pereira, I don't know who he thinks he is, but his goal was completely... The, it's not the the fact that he put the ball into the top corner. It's the fact that he did it from so far out. He was miles away. He was on vacation and took that shot and put it in the top corner. And then six minutes later, it's Lukaku with it... Uh, a very good finish. Lukaku, they don't have another choice at this point with all of their injuries of where of who they are going to play up front with, uh, you know, Lingard, Martial, uh, Rashford, all all these guys picking up injuries. Alexis picked up an injury in this game. Um, now, I know Rashford played here, but um, he he did pick up a knock against Liverpool and had to play through it because of all the other injuries they had. Um, yeah, it's a good sign. I mean, Lukaku has, has stepped up. He's been playing very well the past couple of games. So, yeah, so at that point, we're we're 2-1 United, and you think, okay, Solskjaer has done it again. He's turned this around. Boom. James Ward-Prowse on a free kick in the 75th minute, and we're 2-2. Southampton 
trying to pick up a vital point away because of their spot in the table. They are sitting down in 17th. Um, that point would have put them three points clear of the drop zone. Instead, Lukaku scores in the 88th minute. In, <laughs> it's That's classic Manchester United, a late goal. Um, not quite into Fergie time, uh, like the fifth minute of stoppage time, but you get the point. They get all three points with three goals, two from Lukaku. That's got to be a huge confidence boost for him. And uh, so now Southampton are only two points above the drop zone. Manchester United propel themselves into the top four. They're three points back of Spurs. I think in the next in the in the nine games left in the season, they overtake Tottenham. And it's going to be more of a battle for the top four between Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea instead of Arsenal, Chelsea, and United. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they they have kind of like how City erased uh, a big gap between them and Liverpool. United have seamlessly just erased a huge gap um, ever since the appointing the point the appointment of uh, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, they're yeah they it, it's they're a completely different team and and you brought up Fergie time and they, there's sort of that vibe to them where they have these comebacks in them and they're able even when they're down like they they just they're playing f- they look like they're having fun they're enjoying their football again they're they're in the post Mourinho honeymoon period that every team that he leaves ends up going through yeah um and you could be right I I think. It's it, it's it's very interesting this top four race because right now when you look at it, it's Tottenham are three points. There's about three points ahead of United, four points uh, ahead of Arsenal, and five ahead of Chelsea. Five ahead of Chelsea. Chelsea now with they are, they have played one less game. So if Chelsea are to pick up a win in that extra game, obviously it's not it's never that easy. Um, uh, you, it's the, the rescheduling process. You don't really never know what. Like, it's hard to know what that game's going to be. It's yeah. far off, and anything can happen between now and then. But say Chelsea were to get pick up three points from the game they have in hand, they're two points behind uh, Tottenham. So it's it's going to be very interesting. That third and fourth spot, like it's going to be. It's going to be wild to watch, and we have that. I think we're spoiled this year because we have we have this very tight title race, but we also have the top four. Yeah, and we've we've had a top four uh, race pretty much every season, and it's not always gone down to the last day, but it's been it's been tight right towards the end. But the fact that we have the title race in addition um, now, the only thing that could be better is if. All of these six teams are all in the title race at this point in the season, but it's, it's going to be an awesome finish to the season. Regardless of who you support, it, as a neutral, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, with, I, I didn't think we would have four clubs that are battling for two spots. I really thought it was three battling for one, but Tottenham have put themselves in this position. Um, and, you know, playing Southampton next, they need to right the ship. They can't go four without a win in the league. That's It's just going to put way too much pressure on themselves. Now, usually they're putting pressure on the top of the table. Now they're just putting pressure on themselves. So that's the thing. Like once, as soon as the narrative, it wasn't even on them for long, but like it was for, for one week, it was okay. We have a three, we have a, we actually have a three team title race. Can Tottenham actually overturn this? And once that question started getting asked, they fell apart. And now they're, they're in with, the, uh, the teams below them in a, in a race for those final vital Champions League spots. You know, they have their stadium that they're opening. Um, when? That's a pretty big thing for them. And if they miss out on that, it's, uh, I mean, it could, it could very much anyway be the end of the Spurs that we know because we could see Pochettino moving on potentially to Manchester United. Uh, how long are these players going to stick around um, if they are not winning still struggling to win silverware. Yeah, and the, and that's the most important thing and um I thought it was a good uh I had a good laugh at Unai Emery's press conference leading up to the North London derby when they asked about Pochettino not winning trophies and he said, "Oh, he's young." And the next day Pochettino 
the the day of the derby was Pochettino's 47th birthday, and Unai Emery, who has won three Europa Leagues, is also 47. So, um, but there, it's there's plenty of time for him to win trophies, and he's going to. But as long as he continues to not do so, I will love to laugh about it. Um, yeah, I think I think at some point he's got to realize. Is he gonna like? He's gotta ask himself, and like, because he has the ability to win trophies. Yeah. Now, does he have the? And he does. I think. I think Spurs are good enough to to win a trophy, whether it's you know uh, a cup, you know, probably more specifically a cup trophy. You know, if they win the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup, I think they have the ability to do that. I think they're good enough to do it. But they again, they they've struggled to do so. They've fallen short multiple times. He has to ask himself. Am I ever going to win a trophy if I stay here? And if the answer is no, he's got to think about moving elsewhere. I think you look at Kyle Walker. I think Kyle Walker has got to be loving his decision to leave. He's he was the first one to really of this team of this generation of Spurs players, um, you know, decide you know what I'm going to go somewhere that's better for me. He won the league. He was part of the Centurions uh, last year with Manchester City, and he now. He's very much he's considered one of the best fullbacks in the world. So other the players that are on Spurs and you know Pochettino himself has to look at that and, and think about it. It's got to be in the back of their head at some point. Like, like if Harry Kane were to leave and go to Real Madrid, I can see him winning trophies and becoming a, like an elite. You know, like we're gonna everyone's gonna, he's going to be known as one of the top strikers in the world. I know he already is, but I think there's sort of a crutch that Spurs. Yeah, the, you, you need the silverware to go along with it. You can't just be a goal scorer and have your team finishing third and fourth every season. It's not, and, and not lifting a domestic trophy. Um, like, we're not we're not saying, okay, go out and win the Champions League, which they're, they have a very good chance at getting to the quarterfinal. But, um, so we can't just, we can't quite count them out yet. Dortmund on a bad run, uh, no longer the odds-on favorite to win the Bundesliga. Um with Bayern Munich taking that over, but um, it's it it's a situation where I I think a lot of players in that team, even if it's not something that they're really saying like, okay, no trophy and I'm out. I think it's in the back of their head like we want to start winning trophies and we want to do it with this bunch. We let this this team gets along well together. I think they're missing a couple pieces though, um, and. I think that without the drop off of uh, Moussa Dembele, who eventually, you know, was just sold to the Chinese Super League, without the drop off of him, um, and you know, having a solid defensive midfielder in this team, they win trophies. But it's just it, they're not getting it done right now. Um, but uh, let's let's get on to our our last point of the show with the Merseyside Derby finishing. Nil nil at Goodison Park uh, today. So Everton haven't beaten Liverpool. I'm gonna say eight years. Um, their record at Anfield is obviously much worse. I don't think they've won since 1999, something like that. Um, but they, in their last 18 matches in the league, uh, it's unbeaten for Liverpool. Or now, now with this result. Uh, the last 19 it would be nine wins for Liverpool 10 draws uh obviously no wins for Everton but um do you are are you disappointed in Liverpool because I I am in this situation you have a chance to go away to your to your local rival I won't say biggest rival because I still think Manchester United are their biggest rival but to your in a local derby you have the chance to go beat Everton, who are not in great form. Um, Everton have had only had lost three in a row and then won their last match against uh, Cardiff City, but they had lost to Watford, they lost to Man City, they lost to Wolves. Um, so not in great form, but I, Liverpool had the chance to go away, get a win, and go back to the top of the table, and they... They did not take that chance. Yeah, it, I, and I'm and I am disappointed uh, as well. I think, 
especially when you look at what happened in recent games. So they they, they sort of struggled. Uh, had a couple draws leading into it as a city sort of roared back and, and took over. Uh, they go into the game against Watford. I think Jurgen Klopp makes a big move. Uh, Mane sort of struggled in the Champions League. He missed a couple big chances. He puts him uh, in the number nine role. Uh, I think it's which is I think something that we have seen him do. Klopp has put players like Firmino or um, you know, Salah when they're struggling up as a forward and sort of allow, put them in a good position to score goals and get their confidence back up. And I think that worked very well for for Mane. He scored two goals against Watford. Watford, a very good team, they beat five nil. So now you have to feel like okay, they're gaining their confidence back. Uh, and then, when, especially when you're going against a team like Everton, obviously, you know, okay, like form gets thrown out the window in these big matches. Um, but Liverpool have had, have always had, had it over Everton. Ever, like Everton's like their little brother who has not even come close to living up to Liverpool in in recent years. So you have to think Liverpool's going into this game, even they have that, even though they have that dark shadow that is Manchester City looming over them. They have, they're not. They have other teams in the league, like Arsenal. I would say Manchester United are that are playing better than them at the moment, or, or hotter teams. But I think the chance to go up against Everton, a team that you've bossed throughout the year, dominated for the most part. Um, I mean, there were 10 draws, you didn't mention that, but they haven't lost. So I think the confidence they, that they should have gone into this game is we're going to go, take this game by the scruff of the neck, and, and just really prove not only to Everton, uh, but to the whole league that this is our year. Uh, at, for this, It's going to be great because they they, they're going to go in, they're going to revel in doing that against their biggest rival. Or not their biggest, one of their biggest rivals, sorry, their, their, their uh, local rival. Uh, and they just they they were toothless. They lacked the quality that that Ma- say Manchester City has, and the uh, uh, sort of the experience in winning titles. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's it's something like that chance for Salah in the twenty eighth minute, where his last touch before taking a shot took him a little too wide, but he's in wide open space and he's gifted that ball. He like Liverpool are gifted this ball. Um, by a sloppy pass, and, but you have to give credit to Jordan Pickford, who I have criticized in the past, but you have to give credit to him in this spot, um, standing firm and making that save. But Salah has to do better there. There's That was a very predictable shot. You see him, he very much obviously opens up his hips and shoots it and doesn't get it around Pickford. So, like, it was... I don't know, it was a very predictable shot. Yeah, and you know, for me with with Salah this season, listen, he he scored the most goals ever in a thirty eight game season last year, um, with thirty two goals, um, and you know this season he has seventeen, so he's a little more than half. But the thing that disappoints me is not that he's not scoring, that that he's not breaking the record again or getting close, is the fact that last year. Liverpool in the title race really didn't have a shot. The first half of the season, they did not have Virgil van Dijk. They didn't sign him until January. Um, And that's when that team became transformed and went on that Champions League run. But this was the time where we're we're here from the start. We've added pieces in the midfield. We've added a fantastic forward uh, in Zerdan Shaqiri from Stoke City. We've We've added that depth that we need. And he hasn't he hasn't had a bad season, but he hasn't lived up to what he did last season. And the fact that they were one of the favorites, if not the favorite, going into the season, and last year they weren't even close at the start of the season. That's so it's that winning mentality. He's not scoring against the big teams. It's you know, a game where you say you say that Liverpool need that lifeline. They need a moment of magic, and they're not getting it quite as often as they did last season. Yeah, it's it, it's so it's it's a shame for Liverpool because I think they they do have the team built to win a title, but this year 
their front three, who I get the second half of last season, were totally clicking. I don't think we've gotten a moment this season where he, like all three of Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, and Salah have been completely on their game. I think they've had it. Firmino and Salah were playing well, but Mane was struggling, or Mane was having a good run of games while Salah was struggling. Yeah, um, with, and Firmino trying to get back to full health. Like, it's just, it has not been... And th- this is something that happens. This is how it works. It's not just because you have a great team on paper doesn't give you a title. So, um, and and we know that, but I it, it doesn't make me not disappointed in the production that you've gotten out of him. Now, um, we've hit we've hit the point. It's it's time for the delusion of the week. Now you got the story of the week with the. Uh, what, what was what did you call that story? It's not the Dorito debacle. It's the the Hollywood sign limp or the Hollywood hike yes. limp. Yeah, the Hollywood sign limp. Okay. Um, I don't have a name for this story because it's not much of a story as it is a hot take. Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's how I think most of these are gonna go. But I think that. Manchester City win the title this season. That's not the hot take. I don't think that Liverpool win the Champions League this year. I think that next season will be Jurgen Klopp's final season in charge of Liverpool. I don't think he wins a title with Liverpool. I don't think he wins the league this year or next season. I and I think in in the summer they part ways with him. I think it's you're going to get to a point where the disappointment from this is is it going to be you know it can go two ways. Say they don't win the title this season, it can go one of two ways. Next season they can say okay, last season it didn't really go our way, partially our fault. Some things just you know sometimes you just don't get lucky. Um, or they can say, you know, last year was our chance. That was our best chance to do this. And now, um, you know, since we couldn't do it last year, what makes us think that we're going to be able to do it this year? Why why aren't City going to win a third title in a row? Why uh, can't Manchester United get back into the title race? Can Tottenham finally put one forward? Um, do Arsenal and Chelsea figure it out under their new managers? I I think this was the year for them to do it. And they're not going to. And next season, Jurgen Klopp will that will be his final season in charge at Anfield. Do you want me to do you want me to sort of rebuttal on this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't wait yeah. for the weeks that it's your delusion and I get to call you crazy. Oh, I'm yeah, well I'm sure you'll have fun doing that. Uh, what I would say is I think you could be right here. I but what I've always said, I've and I've defended Jurgen Klopp for years. I think the past couple seasons, you've been very critical of him, saying like he's 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 got like he's not like he's not as good as Brendan Rodgers. You would always say, um, and I my whole thing was no, okay. Well, this was after we had heard about uh, them getting Navi Keita. We knew they were going to be getting Virgil Van Dyke. Um, I said, give them this season. I think this is the season that they do it. Now, at the beginning of the season, I think I believe I still predicted Man City. I think it was my heart was picking Liverpool. My my head sort of stuck with Man City. Um, but I felt this was this was as you said this was the year for them to do it. Um, I think the verdict's still out. I still think they have a strong chance. Um, we'll see how the season's going as as it comes to a close. But I think big games for I think City's schedule. And as we talked about, their their uh, chance for quadruple could could affect them and could keep Liverpool in it. Uh, I think if they finish second, I think next year, I think if they finish second in the next year, they maybe they focus more on getting uh, FA Cup or the Carabao Cup. Um, I think they were very much. They put the blinders on. We're focusing really hard on winning the league this year. Uh, I agree. I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're favorites to win the, the league next year. I think this was very much their year. Uh, but I don't know. I don't. I still think. 
that Liverpool they can't go away from the success that he's brought them. I mean, they, they like I said, they haven't won trophies without him. Before him, him coming in there, they were finishing outside the top five, outside the top six. They were struggling to make that top four. I think now that they've established themselves as one of the top two teams, maybe top two or three teams in the league at the moment, uh, I don't think you throw that away. I think you keep with that. I think you you establish Liverpool as one of the teams that we're always going to see in the Champions League, um, and you keep pushing for it. I don't think they should part ways with them after next season if he fails. I think if maybe now, now if it starts to decline and you say, okay, they finish fifth next season, then, then maybe it's time to go. But I think if, um, if they finish, say they finish second this year, they go and they finish second or third next year. I don't see any reason to break it up. Unless there's a world-class manager that they can bring in, they feel gives them the chance to do it. But I, I think he, I think keeping him is is the better move. So, your delusion, you're saying Mourinho to Liverpool? That's what you're saying? That's what That's what yeah. I got out of that. <laughs> um, that, would be, that would be insane. Yeah, worth mentioning that you say, okay, maybe they go for an FA Cup or something like that. In the, <laughs> since, um, you know, they haven't gotten past the fourth round in quite some time. Since, Stevie G's last season where they're in an FA Cup semifinal against Aston Villa. If they beat Villa at Wembley in this semifinal, Steven Gerrard's final game for Liverpool is on his birthday in an FA Cup final, and they they lost. So, And then the 2015-16 season, FA Cup fourth-round replay. They, they So they needed a replay against Exeter City after uh, a 2-2 draw away, they win 3-0 at Anfield. Then at Anfield, 0-0 against West Ham in the fourth round, losing the replay. Then they needed a replay in 2016-17 against Plymouth Argyle. Um, At Anfield, a 0-0 draw. Then they go away and only win 1-0. Then they lose to Wolves. 17-18, they beat Everton. Van Dyke scores the winner. Um, That was a big moment. Fourth round. Yeah, fourth fourth round they lose to West Brom three two. Oh Conceding three goals to West Brom is unacceptable in any any way you put it. And then this season, third round they go out to Wolves two one. So two of the past three years they've gone out to Wolves. Um, so it's things like that. Like Klopp's record in the FA Cup is terrible. Um, you know they made the Carabao Cup final. Was that in his first season? Um. That they made the yeah, Carabao Cup final. City. I, I, that was yeah, that was three years ago. I was out here. Yeah, they lost on on penalties to City. Um, they've lost the Champions League final. They they're they're getting they're getting so close. It's just can they get over that last hump? But um, it's it's all left to see. My delusion. Klopp at Liverpool next season. Enjoy it because he's gone after that um they're not going to enjoy it because they're still not going to win a title but that's besides the point or is it the exact point that i'm trying to make who knows i'm too delusional to tell uh, we're both delusional but uh that is going to be it that'll be our first that's our first episode of the footy ado podcast uh make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram spelled f-o-o-t-y-a-d-e-u-x footy ado a delusional soccer podcast. Uh, please find us on Apple Podcasts. We're also going to be posting on Anchor, but uh, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, and you know, just give us some good feedback, and we'll we'll try and make this show the best we can as we as we move forward. Um, and also give us some of your delusions, some of your personal stories. We'd love to love to hear them if uh, you actually tuned into our podcast. But hopefully, we'll grow as as time moves on. Yeah, and you send us our your hot takes, your delusions. We'll discuss those on the show. Um, next week is going to be a little bit of a different look, um, a little bit of a different format just because I am going out to California to visit. Um, so look out next week for a uh, podcast where we're going to go through all 20 teams in the Premier League and name 
Um, you know, the thing that you like about that club, Jared has 10, I have 10, um, kind of like, a, you know, if you're really, if you're looking for a team, this could be a reason to support that club type, uh, type deal. So that'll be coming, uh, next week for the second pod episode.